Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of On the Pitch presented by Deep Dive Sports. I'm your host, Dom, and as always, I'm joined by Chase and Zach. So we got a pretty interesting episode for you guys today, a little bit different than normal. Um, We're going to be talking about some Champions League matchups and all the drama that surrounded the round of 16 draw. And with the transfer window coming up here in a couple weeks, we're going to be talking about some transfer rumors uh, that have been going pretty wild recently and where we think some of the top guys can go. So we'll get it started. What do you guys think of the the round of 16 draw and all the debauchery that was going around with that and the redraw? Yeah, I I was, (laughs) it was really silly to just kind of watch unfold live. I mean, I'm glad they did explain it and it makes like perfect sense. I think they did the right thing with a complete redraw. Um, I, I don't, like Madrid's approach there of kind of throwing a fit because besides the fact that yes something went wrong and you have to redraw it it kind of made me if you're Madrid you should want to face anyone because you're going to eventually have to beat everyone if you want to win it and if you're Madrid your goal has to be to win the Champions League if someone like Salzburg is upset because they got a harder draw I get it because if you make it one more round that's a huge achievement but Madrid the goal has to be win the whole thing so if you face PSG now or in the final I don't like that their president kind of made them look silly there. But other than that, um, I didn't see a whole lot of negative feedback from clubs or managers. So I was actually happy about that. Yeah. And Chase, what about you? What did you think? Um, I mean, obviously, the whole thing was a little shambolic. If, if you don't know, uh, th- there was a whole redraw. And I mean, I'm not upset with it in any sort of way. Obviously, I'm a Chelsea fan. We got the same draw twice. I wouldn't have been upset if we got somebody. I mean, I would have been a little upset if we got Bayern, obviously. But, I mean, it, it is what it is. There was a mistake made. I'm glad they redrew it. I'm, I'm glad it all worked out in the end. And, I mean, there's some good matchups this time around. The first draw, there wasn't really a whole lot to really look at, to really mm-hmm. you know, get you excited. So, um, I, I mean, I'm happy for it. I'm glad they redrew it. I'm glad it's, it's all worked out. I'm excited for the you know, quite a few matches here. I think there's a big opportunity for a dark horse to come out that I want to talk about. But um, I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm excited. I, Champions League just yeah. gets me excited. It leaves me speechless. Oh yes, so. always. <laughs> I'm just, like, I'm happy that it's, it's all, it's all resolved. And in all honesty, I'm kind of glad they did a redraw because I'm liking these matchups better than the first draw. To be honest with you. Oh yeah. Um, are there any matchups that really jump out to you guys? I mean, the one. And I think everyone would agree with this. That is hardest to call and is probably going to be highest quality um, is going to be PSG in Madrid. Mm-hmm. That's insane. I mean, from the storylines of all the players coming back to play against their former club, the most notable one being Ramos after all the time he spent and then coming yeah. on to an interview and saying, I'm going to die for PSG because I'm playing for them now. I mean, yeah. I expected that from him. He's a, he's a thorough professional. He just loves playing and he'll, He'll give it his all, I have no doubt there, but I think it's going to be really interesting to see how he marks and defends some of the like hottest goal scorers in the world right now, like Benzema. Vinicius mm-hmm. is having an incredible season, which I did not necessarily predict. But yeah, so he's been playing with them. He's been training with them for years. What can he do against them? And uh, yeah, the storylines as well as just, yeah, there are two teams that are domestically dominant right now this season. Mm-hmm. Um, with PSG, there's always questions of, you know, is it because maybe they're not facing the toughest competition, but I mean, just look at the names on their team and, you know, they yeah. can turn up against anyone on any day and Except play them City. off the pitch. So 
I'm I'm thrilled to see that matchup. I'll, I'll agree with you there. I think that's going to be a great match. I think Ramos gets a red card in the first two minutes, <laughs> murdering Benzema, and then and then the whole game's over. But um, honestly, I think I'm personally most excited for the Atletico Madrid Man U game, and I, I don't know why. I think yeah, that's going to be a good one. I think there's there's a lot to be proven between those two sides. Obviously, we're the, the matches don't take place until February, late February at that. So, I mean, we're still quite a ways away, but both teams have been kind of hitting a slump. They need to put things together. And I'm hopeful that by that time, both teams have figured things out. They're back on a roll. And that's going to be just just as good, if not better, than the PSG-Real Madrid matchup. Because I could see that hitting a stalemate really quickly. And it, the first leg ending up a nil-nil. I, I don't see that happening with Atletico Madrid-Man United. I think that's going to be a great game. I don't think. I honestly think it might be a better matchup than the PSG Real Madrid, but that's a little hot take. But I mean, I could see it happening though. I mean, you look at all the the attacking players that Man United has, and then you look at how strong Atletico Madrid's defense is. I think that's going to be a good matchup to see. You know, Atletico Madrid's always very solid defensively, so I, I think they match up pretty well against United because. I'm not impressed with this United squad at all. You take Ronaldo <laughs> and they're, they're just garbage. So I think one matchup that I'm, I'm really interested in is Liverpool and Inter Milan. Ooh. I, I, I look at that. I'm like, that, that could be fun. That could be really fun to watch because Inter are a very good squad. And yes. I mean, Liverpool are probably, man, I, I think they're right back up there with where they were a couple years ago when they won the league in terms of quality of their squad and just how they're playing. So, I mean, you got two top teams, you know, really informed right now. I don't know how they'll be mid-January or mid-February, but I think that's going to be really interesting. Yeah, and you throw Premier League winner Ed and Dzeko in there, and <laughs> you've got yourself quite a game to watch. So, yeah. Hey, look, last time he played Liverpool in the Champions League, he scored in both legs. So, I mean, he does have two he legs. Do it. So, yeah, he can do it. <laughs> um, that's what that's the year to... they won it, too. It's going to happen. It's, I don't know, man. I, I'm excited for that match. I'm excited for all these matchups, to be fair, except for maybe Man City Sporting Club. And I mean, I'm probably that one, <laughs> that one might like, be a honestly, little bit of a blowout. But I think that could be an an interesting matchup. Obviously, I I think the city is going to going to win both legs. But we I don't I can't remember us ever playing sporting. You know, I I, I think it could be I think it'd be pretty interesting to watch. You know, I obviously don't know how how it's going to fare, but I'm sure they'll they'll get a couple goals in. (laughs) I, I would be shocked if they scored one, to be honest. Um, they're they're really bad at the. I mean, I, sh- I shouldn't say really bad. They are. They have defensive struggles. I would say. I mean, they conceded nine yeah. total to Ajax. So I think Man City is going to put like 12, 13 past them over two legs. But we'll see. But, Maybe not. But Ajax has been really good this season, especially in the Champions yeah. League. So I mean, there's yeah. nothing to take away from there. And even their matchup against Benfica. I mean, that's. I mean, obviously Benfica beat Barcelona twice. So that's that's quite a matchup. I'm not saying it. Barcelona's struggling or anything, but <laughs> I mean, they are. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's fine. Everything's fine. Um, I do think I do think that's a really good matchup. Ajax and Benfica. You got like a really mm-hmm. hot offensive team with a comes out of nowhere Haller and just scoring, and then you've got really, really experienced and solid defenders. You got Vertonghen. You got Otamendi. They're not going to be caught off guard or run over, but yeah, that's that's a really cool 
interesting matchup. And I'm I'm not I'm not sure who comes out on top there, honestly. As a city fan, I'm used to seeing Automeni get, you know, just run over and embarrassed. So I mean, who knows? (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's it's happened for the national team too, but he is experienced. (laughs) Um we'll we'll give him that. There's there's one match that I wanted to talk about real quick. Um is it is it the Chelsea? No, 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 no. That, that one's probably – I don't need to talk about that. Everybody knows Chelsea's winning by 12. So, the Villarreal-Juventus game, Juventus has been struggling in Serie A. I think they've, they've been doing really well in the Champions League, but I'm genuinely going to take Villarreal over them to make it in the next leg. I think that's going to be my dark horse. I think they're going to make it past Juventus and probably give some struggles to the team in the, in the next round. So Yeah, if I hadn't spent – the majority of my life watching Juventus somehow figure it out and somehow always recover in the second half of the season. I would agree with you, but um, no, I think that is a possibility. I personally think Juventus is going to make it through. Um, I think they're about to go on a good run of form here in the league as well. Um, and I think they still have Dybala, Murata, Keen, Chiesa. Mm-hmm. They still have some great attacking options on their day. So I like that take, but I am going to go with Juventus on that one. <laughs> yeah, same. All right, that's fine. I'll stand alone, but when I'm right, yeah, okay, I'll, uh, I'm gonna. All right, we'll, we'll we'll give you credit when you're when you're right, if you're right. Okay. I I'll be standing alone with my dark horse as well. Uh, and we already brought it up, but my dark horse genuinely is Inter Milan. Mm-hmm. I think they can do it. Uh, I think they're solid at the back. They haven't experienced midfield as well um, bringing in someone like Vidal they have Brozovic I don't think they're gonna be like absolutely in awe of this Liverpool team um, Martinez and Jekyll up front genuinely can score against anyone now they got to be healthy and they got I mean but all of that um, they're definitely underdogs and it's all going to come down to if they can deal with the press because I think the way Inzaghi has them playing right now when they face a really high press the strikers tend to have to move back and I'm not saying that 35-year-old Jekko struggles with moving back and then getting back up for 90 <laughs> minutes, but, you know, it's hard. So, yeah, if Liverpool is able to press effectively, it's going to make it really hard. But with the away goal being removed, I think that hurts Liverpool more than most teams just because Anfield yeah. is its so hard to play against for non-Prem teams specifically because they don't, they're not used to that. <laughs> And that's come out in so many interviews and so many players have said like, yeah, like the first time I played there, I was taken aback. So that not being as much of a factor, I think is going to be very important. Um, and yeah, I, I was talking with Chase about this. I don't know how the African cup of nations is going to influence things. Um, Cause I think the final for that is early February. So, you know, how quickly Armani and Salah are going to rejoin the team. How True, long is yeah. it going to take to integrate? Is there going to be a quarantine and that's the factor that I'm just not 100% sure on. So I won't say that that's going to heavily influence, but it's another potential problem area for Liverpool for all of January yeah. and early February. I mean, do you also run the risk of injury? I mean, the more games that these guys play, mm-hmm. you know, the, I, I hope it doesn't happen as much as I don't like Liverpool. But, you know, in a competition like this, you want to see teams at their best. And, you know, the more games that they play, you run the risk of injury and I'd, I'd hate to see them get injured before the Champions League but I think my dark horse I think is Atletico Madrid I, I think 
I, I, I'm, I'm sure United are favored in this matchup just because of their name recognition and, and Cristiano Ronaldo. But I generally think that Atletico Madrid can you know, slow him down. I mean, I know he's getting up there in age. He's still scoring goals. But if you can slow him down, I don't think there's anyone else on the team that could really step up. I mean, they've looked better under Ragnick. I'm still not impressed with this team, to be honest with you. I mean, Jaden Sancho has hardly played, so we don't know what what we're getting out of him or what they're getting out of him. I don't really see anyone else on this on this side that can really step up. And then you look at all the defensive issues that they still have, and where I don't like is is Pogba still injured? He'll probably still be injured by by mid February if he's still with the club. Yeah, he could be gone by then. Yeah, he <laughs> could be done by then. So like, I I I can't really name anyone in their midfield that can really influence the game in any way. Are you telling really, me? Yeah. Fred Red Redemption is, is not going to show Red up. Fred Redemption <laughs> on any other club except for maybe Newcastle would probably be on the bench. <laughs> That's the best take of the day. <laughs> like that, that, that man should be nowhere near any starting lineup except for maybe Norwich or Newcastle. And here he is starting for Man U. It's, it's quite shocking to, to watch – I will say that over the past couple of games that I've watched, he's he's really picked it up. He's 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 been putting in more effort. What I should say, I wouldn't say his. Yeah. Even what I've yeah. seen out of him, I don't know if he should be playing for a top side, top six club in the Premier League. But I mean, he's had, he's had his moments, and I don't know. I just it's don't not I, saying I, much. I, it's not saying <laughs> it's not saying much, but I will defend him a little bit. He's playing for Man United, but obviously they've. Also starting a fridge at center back. So I don't, <laughs> they, yeah, they've got some I, questionable choices. That matchup is, is just really interesting because I agree that they may, Man United might start looking a little bit better, but I wasn't super thrilled with that Norwich game. I mean, mm-hmm. took a late, took a late pen and a suit to beat Norwich. That's not what you want. You kind of yeah. want the game to be wrapped up by then. Um, yeah. And against Atletico, I'd say the one thing they have going for them is just, like you said, I think it's the sheer, like, refusal to lose that Cristiano Ronaldo has that for some reason is yeah. amped up in the Champions League and for some reason is amped up even more against Atletico Madrid. <laughs> if Man United wins, it's going to be pretty hilarious that Simeone got eliminated by Ronaldo on three different teams. So, but yeah, other than that, and Atletico, they might be in a slump now, but I mean, you look at their lineup on paper and those are solid players. And those are players that I know, you know, Griezmann had a tough time at Barcelona and this season still isn't stepping it up, but I mean, this is someone who's gone through a World Cup tournament and looked strong. So it's someone who's he's not he's he's not inexperienced. Suarez has played in so many big tournaments and won so many big trophies. You'd expect him to turn up in the Champions League. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, moving on from the Champions League, the uh, transfer window that everyone is excited for. I, I love the transfer window both in, in January and over the summer because um, all the stories and trying to see where players are going to go, I, I always find it fascinating. But we have a transfer window coming up here in a couple weeks. Do you guys see any big moves happening? Does Newcastle bring in a whole new squad? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> what, what, what do you guys think is going to happen here? Or is it going to be kind of boring? 
Well, Newcastle definitely keeps John Joe Shelby, whatever else they do. But oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. No, I think I think there's gonna be a lot of uh, a lot of moves, and some of them could be bigger name players. I think I like the January transfer window so much because there's an element of, for lack of a better word, panic. Because there's always teams that <laughs> got hit by an injury they didn't expect, and all of a sudden. Like last year, Liverpool didn't have a center back. And so they just had to sign whatever center back they could find, who now I think he's in the championship now somewhere. So I mean, there's an element of panic and lack of time to prepare and time to negotiate. So you see a lot of moves that, you know, catch you off guard. And some of them work out great. Others not so much. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for to see some impulsive signings happening. Oh, absolutely. There's Change definitely... Like- there's, there's a lot of impulse in the January transfer window, but there's also, I mean, I think what has a lot to do with it, which lack for a better term is pretty obvious is, is a club's run of form before, leading up to the January transfer window, which plays a lot into what they decide to do in the, in the window. And there's, uh-huh. for me right now, there's not a lot of teams that are really struggling to be like oh we need to make some signings or i mean obviously the the teams that are like like norwich or newcastle or teams like that that are like okay we need to bring in some players to help turn this season around but like the big six clubs i mean i i I really can't name a whole lot of things that need to be adjusted except for maybe arsenal man united could bring in a center back or a holding midfielder but i mean when you're talking about chelsea man city liverpool psg Bayern, Dortmund. I mean, there's there's not really a whole lot of the movement that needs that I think that really needs to take place. So I don't think we're going to see anything super big. Obviously, there's the news of Mbappe in Madrid that's been going on for a while. I don't I really don't see that happening this January because there's still I mean, it's 160 million that they're going to need to pay for him. And right. he can leave for free at the end of the season. I don't think anything's going to happen there. I think Halan will probably stay till the end of the season. But if he does go anywhere. Probably going to go to Man City. I, I I really don't see anything super big happening. Obviously, Messi and Ronaldo moved last transfer window. So, but I, I think we'll see some like players that might shake up a team move around. Like maybe not not particularly a Rashford, but someone like a Rashford who's kind of mm-hmm. integral to a squad. But mm-hmm. you know, you're like, oh, I I wouldn't expect them to move, but maybe they will anyway. So, yeah, I think that's spot on, and I think those big name players are going to wait until the summer just because of it's, it's unaffordable otherwise. But uh, I think there's a lot of the big six teams um, too specifically that are going to be probably offering up some interesting players like man United, obviously new coach coming in who is moving upstairs after this year for another two years. So it's time to establish a squad, a long-term plan mm-hmm. that fits his style of play. So I think they're going to be offloading very interesting. I think the two that are that I would most predict leaving would be Martial and Lingard. I don't think they fit yes. the system. I think it sends a message because these are fan favorites. And if he offloads them, that kind of shows, no, this is my club now. So I think that kind of since he's German, just that's something a German would totally <laughs> do just to like establish like, no, I'm I'm the boss here. So and then other players that could be leaving, you got Pogba. Um Donny hasn't played more under Ragnick than he has under Ole so far. So he might just be like, look, I need to leave. I need to get back to the national team. I need to actually play Cavani. I think, sorry, Chase, but I think like 
teams like Barcelona that are on a budget and just need some firepower up front <laughs> will be interested in Cavani. I think he can provide what they thought yeah. Aguero could provide. And Aguero did provide is, you know, not going to be a consistent starter, but will score if he gets some time. And I think are Cavani you, could do something similar. Are you telling me that Barcelona would rather have Cavani over Arsenal's first team dropped captain? Pierre Emerick Aubameyang? I don't think so. Yes. We're taking yeah, Aubameyang exactly all day. I would. <laughs> and I don't think Aubameyang going anywhere until the summer and they need help yesterday. Xavi basically has already said we need more players up front. And yeah, and then the other player I think Man United's getting rid of, not as exciting, uh, Dean Henderson, who I think is a good keeper and should be a starter somewhere. So yeah, I think it's more so about the players that the top clubs are going to look to offload maybe to prep for a big summer transfer than as opposed to the players that they're trying to bring in. Yeah. I got one small disagreement with that though. Mm-hmm. We, we talk about, you know, January kind of some impulse buying going on. I think city could be one of those teams impulse buying. We look at, we still don't have a striker. We have Ferran Torres that's about to leave. Uh, he's about to go to Barcelona. I think we can use some of that money and go get a striker. I mean, this might be the time to go get Holland, um, or it might be a time to, uh, you know, bring in, um, uh, I can't pronounce his last name, Vahovic. Um, oh, I know yes. he's, I love him. There, there's a big divide between city fans. Do, would you rather have Holland or Vahovic? Um, honestly, I wouldn't be upset with either of them. Um, but I think we could definitely use the money that we're, we're going to be getting from selling Fran Torres and bring in a striker. Cause I really think that that's what we need to win the champions league. You know, the, the false nine system has been working for us really well. Um, it worked well for us last year. It got us to the final, but I think not having a striker, especially in that champions league final really is, is what held us back. Uh, Cause we, we created a lot of chances in that game, but obviously we, we didn't put any of them in the back of the net. And you look at um, the way City plays. I know, I know we're on a great run of form right now, but we create a lot of chances, but we don't we don't put away a lot of chances. Um, I know the last game was a little bit of an exception to that, but you know, I, I think really to solidify this squad and make us the Champions League favorites, I think we need to bring in a top striker. And why wait? You know, if, if you think that this is a team that can go win the Champions League, you need one more piece. I say go go bring in Holland if you can allocate some resources and sell some other players to bring them in. And I think what makes that potentially even more possible is that he got injured at the worst time and he's mm-hmm. for Champions League, which he needs to be playing for the Champions League. The league's <laughs> already done. Like I think even from an emotional, he might be ready to leave standpoint. Yeah, it could. You, you got a point. That's yeah. 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 yeah he, he doesn't have anything to play for right now. I mean, right. He, I mean, he got he got knocked out of the World Cup. He got knocked out of the Champions League. The league is mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I could see him moving emotionally. I just don't know if the funds are going to be there or if Dortmund is willing to agree on a price for the funds to be there. I will say before we continue this Halan conversation, I genuinely do think Chelsea is going to get rid of quite a few players. And really? just because we have, we have so much going on. We've got a lot of players that are unhappy with their play time. And even then players that much as I don't want to say this, like Timo Werner, 
and Pulisic that are two of my favorite players to watch are probably going to end up leaving us in January. And even if it's not by their accord, it's by Tuchel's accord. And I'm not saying Man City needs a Timo Werner, but it's, it's, it's possible. (laughs) I mean, we already have Gabriel Jesus has kind of taken on that Timo Werner role. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I agree with Chelsea doing a little bit of Mm -hmm. um, selling mostly based on players that want more playtime. Um, I heard rumors of a loan deal for Pulisic to Barca. I do not know if that's true. I think that would be amazing. I, I could I never see true. that happening. <laughs> what do you think about the Rudiger rumors? Because that seems like one that they want to hang on to. Mm-hmm. But it also, to me, yeah. seems like he's he's just kind of putting it out there for negotiation reasons. I, I don't think he's leaving. But what do you think? I don't. I Obviously, I really don't want him to leave. But I think the problem is, I don't know. I mean, I, the problem is, is that they can't agree on a wage for him because he wants to be the highest paid center back in the Premier League. And Chelsea's like, I mean, yeah, but no. And obviously, if he, go, if he goes to Bayern Munich, he's going to get what he wants. And that's the big rumor right now is that's where he's going to go. And if he goes mm-hmm. anywhere, he would probably go to the Bundesliga and he would go to Bayern. And I genuinely think if we if we start selling players, most of them have all had a link back to the Bundesliga. I mean, Pulisic had, Bayern was talking about buying Pulisic. Bayern was talking about not Timo Werner, but I mean, if we, we could just loop them all into for a while. Yeah. We could just loop them all into one, you know, we could be like, all right, Rudiger, Pulisic, Timo Werner, you give us, give us 400 million pounds and, you know, (laughs) give us a hundred million and a Sane and we'll call it a day. I don't know. But if, if that were to happen, I, I don't know. There's, we're running out of time to give him a contract. We're running out of time because the window's coming up. I think, he doesn't want to leave, but I think he thinks he deserves more money, which he does, especially in the run of form that he's in and how well he's playing yeah. for us. Um, I think if he does leave, there's only one option, but I I really hope he doesn't leave. I think Madrid might also be an option, but other than those two, there's literally no point in him leaving because he's, he's on right. a team that's going to compete for the league and the Champions League every year, so he's not going to leave unless he's also on a team that's going to do the same thing. So that but, really. What really bothers me about Madrid is how much debt they, they are in. And they're talking about spending $160 million on Mbappe. They're talking about buying all these best players in the world. And they're 2 billion euros in debt. I, you can't do that. I, you just yep. can't. I, I genuinely don't get it. I don't, I don't get it. They shouldn't be able to buy anybody for four or five years. They should just keep able. They can re-sign their players and they can build their academy. I, it really irritates me that the fact that they're even able to be in contention for some of these. Yeah, it seems like they uh, skipped out on um, economics 101. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're two billion in debt. Why don't we just keep buying shit? <laughs> they're, they're probably thinking like it, like at this point, like we're never gonna pay this off. So five hundred billion in or five hundred billion in debt. Okay. Nope. They could they could make a lot off of Mbappe jersey sales, to be fair, but not <laughs> not two billion or trillion or whatever it is. <laughs> not quite that much. Uh, but I tell you what, one thing that I can see happening in this transfer window, I think Newcastle will buy enough to be able to stay in the Premier League. And I'm looking at uh, some transfer targets for them right now. They're heavily linked to uh, Martial, who mm-hmm. I think we can all agree United want to get rid of. They're also looking at Man City legend Dzeko. 
No. <laughs> yep. no! That hurts my they're inter prediction. <laughs> they're also looking at Kyron Trippier to help solidify oh, the, the fullback yeah. position. Interesting. Out of out of those three, I can maybe see them getting one or two. I don't think they'll get all three. Um, but I definitely think I mean they, they need help across the board, but I, I think they would rather solidify the midfield and, and defense. And I, I think Eden Deco might be out of their price range right now. Um because I feel like they're going to spend big in summer and have a little bit less of a budget coming up in January. But I could see them making a move for Martial. And, yeah, I, I could see them making a move for Trippier, too. I think those would be good, two good veteran presences in that dressing room. Yeah, I think that actually, for Martial, that's not a bad move either. Mm-hmm. Because you're not getting consistent playing time, especially with the new system. It's just not going to happen. So, yeah. And I yeah, know I mean, that the money they're offering has to be insane. So honestly, at oh, this absolutely. point in your career, take it. Take it, yeah. You'll be you'll be able to get more playing time. And I know both of these guys, uh, Trippier and Martial, are maybe a little bit up there in age past their prime, but they'll get consistent playing time and they'll be able to be a part of something that's up and coming. You know, the, in the next couple of years, as these guys continue to age, a lot of the new talent that Newcastle is going to be bringing in could you know, maybe carry them into – some sort of relevancy and competing for some sort of trophies. Yeah. And being at the start of that and then being able to kind of benefit. Yeah. I could see that being a tempting offer for players that are kind of on the fringe. So we'll see, we'll see how much money talks. (laughs) Is there anything else that you guys are looking at in the, in the transfer window, anything that you could see be surprising? I think Barca is interesting from a standpoint of obviously not a lot of wiggle room, but, enough to bring in a like less priority striker potentially. And also who are they looking to get rid of here? Um, I think Xavi, I've I've actually very much enjoyed how insistent he is on his play style and how honest he's been in interviews saying like, yeah, there's several players that don't really understand what I'm trying to do here and don't understand positional play. And I don't think that's right for Barca. So I think there's players that he's looking to get rid of. Mm -hmm. Um, this was like a week or two ago. I heard that the three that they were going to try to sell because they would go for decent money were Tristegan, Frankie de Jong and Serginho Dest. I, if they sell Frankie de Jong, I think that's a, that's, you'll get a lot of money because he is quite good. I don't think that's the player to sell here. So don't know how reliable that rumor is. Um, But there would be a lot of Prem clubs. I think specifically man United, just because they need better midfielders that would, Spend mm-hmm. a lot of money on Frankie De Jong and Serginho Dest is an up and coming fullback. I think he's, I think he's very good and still has potential. Uh, Tristegan, it is what it is. You get a great keep. I mean, <laughs> it's not going to change your life, yeah. but he is very, very good. Um, and then I just don't know how much money they're going to have. I thought maybe that could be another good spot for Martial because to join a club like it's a good time for players that are usually not on Barca caliber to join Barca so that you can play for one of the greatest clubs, because right now they can't afford better players than you. And you might surprise everyone and just, you know, flourish there. So I think it is going to be interesting. I don't, I don't care where they're at in the league and I don't care how absolutely broke they are and horribly ran. The badge is the badge and players will always want to play for Barcelona. Players will always want to play for Madrid and those play. So I think Barca might be able to pick up a, a bit of a surprise underdog signing. Yeah, I think that's uh, fair. That, that, yeah, there's, I don't know. There's, there's so much that needs to happen to this Barcelona squad right now that it's just, 
I mean, even when you talk about selling players, I mean, you you literally named the only three players that we could sell to actually get any money from. I mean, there's a lot mm-hmm. of players on our squad that are untouchable, um, like players that are coming up from our youth squad. And there's there's players on our squad that aren't going to sell for really anything, like the Sergio Busquets and the, the old players that have been on our squad for so long. But if, if we sell the three players that you just mentioned just to make money to try to recoup, I mean – then we need to refill those positions with players that are just as adequate. And yeah. to do that, I, I just don't think is, is feasible. So I think realistically we could only get rid of one, maybe two players. Um, and I don't want to say Ter Stegen because I think we genuinely need Ter Stegen in that squad. I don't think Neto is at the caliber that Ter Stegen is at. I, I don't think we really have a whole lot of movement in the fullback position. We're playing a 36-year-old Jordi Alba back there. We're playing a 39-year-old Danny Alves back there. I, I mean, I there needs to be some movement. There needs to be a lot of movement, especially with PK still starting, which I'm not trying to ding on PK, but he's if you watch him, I mean, he just looks tired and exhausted. He, yeah. There's we need people up front. We need people in the midfield. The only player holding our midfield together is Frankie Dion. So if we sell him, I think that's going to put us in a lot of trouble. But it, it would genuinely, yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head when saying you could play for Barca when not being Barca caliber player right now. And there's a lot of room to to make those like mid-grade signings to where maybe we buy a player that's like, you know, when Memphis first came in, I mean, he was, his first five games were great for us. And, and now he's mm-hmm. kind of like fallen out of the system, doesn't really know what's going on. I think that's a player that probably won't get sold because we just bought him, but if we can find another player like that, but can work with the system, it would help a lot. I just think we need to keep Ter Stegen. We need to keep De Jong because I think those yeah. are the, and we need to keep, obviously we're keeping Pedri and Gabi, but um, yeah. I mean, the, with those players at our, at our base, I think we can start to rebuild from there, but if we start selling a couple of those, it's going to be a lot mm-hmm. longer. Yeah. I think that would be the message sent to, if those players are sold, it's, and I, I could see Xavi having this mentality of like, look, we still have the best academy in the world, as is proven by some of these kids that are coming out and are the best yeah. players on the squad. They're amazing. And in a year from now, they're going to be even better. So if you sell a lot of the very good um, older senior team players now, it could be a message that Xavi's going to work with the academy to really get his play style into their minds and then mm-hmm. try and make a splash in the summer. Maybe you can get one of these huge targets. Maybe not, because I don't know how their finances are going to work out, if they're even going to be allowed to go for it. But yeah, it's interesting. This is going to be a very interesting window as far as it will show, okay, what's Barca's plan for the rest of the season? I wouldn't even blame them if they said, you know, it's just, I mean, what what are they playing for? A Europa League? And you do need to get top four because you need a Champions League spot. So I guess they can't completely give up on the season. Good point. Yeah. But to, to end the episode, uh, maybe get a little emotional here, but um, Sergio Aguero is retiring from football um, after what, 11, 11 professional seasons. Um, no, it was a little bit longer than that. Cause he played, he played elsewhere before he came to city, but you know, he, Came down with a heart condition, uh, had to step away from the game. Uh, he's absolute legend, uh, by far the, the greatest city player of all time. Uh, I, I remember th- there's 
a lot of fond memories, you know, growing up watching him play. Um, some of the, the, the greatest moments in football history that, that I've ever seen, uh, you know, the 93-20 goal, you know, really mm-hmm. sticks out. I, I still watch the, the final couple minutes of that game just casually and it's it still excites me even though like i i know what the the end result's gonna be it's just it, it still makes me you know so happy and, and excited and you know thrilled to watch that goal um it's just all the memories of him just scoring in, incredible goals in in key moments uh, all-time city's leading scorer i i think the most important signing of you know the recent takeover era uh, without him, yeah, we, we would still have players like Yaya Torre and David Silva, but none of this city squad as as we see now, I, I don't think any of it would be possible without Aguero. You know, he, he really set he really set us up for where we are now. And it, it's you know, it, it sucks to see him go out the way that he he had to go out. You know, I think a player of his caliber, a person of his caliber um, deserves so much better. You know, to go out, I I really wanted him to go out winning a champions, even if it wasn't for a city. I, I think he deserved it, uh, just for all that he's accomplished, all that he's he's brought to the game, internationally and at club level. You know, it's it's horrible, but you know, I I, I know city are looking to bring him on as like an ambassador role. Um, I think it's it's great to see him back with the club. I don't know, it's it's just it just sucks because he deserves so much better, but. What do you guys think? I like that you said not only does he deserve better because of the player, but also because of the person that he was. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, as a player, the numbers just speak for themselves. Best uh, minutes to goal ratio in the Premier League. Yeah. I mean, the titles he's won. But even as a person, uh, all the like videos that come out from like dressing rooms or whatever, it's always him goofing around, lifting people's spirits. Mm-hmm. He's, he was emotional. He could inspire others. I remember... Um, an interview last year from Phil Foden saying like, Oh yeah. I mean, like I love Sergio. He's teaching me everything. And having that kind of a presence, I think Man City's going to have the impact of Aguero for the next like decade because of he took the time to pour into players that were coming up. And yeah, I mean, that's not a given with huge names and big stars. So the fact that he was that kind of guy, in addition to, I, I'm yeah, again, the, best scorer in the premier league like you said big moments that's that's when i mean that's when names are made and i mean he has the most iconic moment in premier league history for a reason yeah absolutely yeah 100 percent. and i mean it's just it's it's heartbreaking to see any player go out with a condition that they can't control especially i mean i mean it, it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter if you're the greatest premier league striker of all time arguably, or, you know, if you're just some guy playing in the championship, you know, if you have a condition that keeps you out of the game that you love and people love watching and you're playing and and, and you just are literally physically unable to continue, it's just, it's genuinely heartbreaking, but especially when it comes to Sergio Aguero, as you guys talked about with the presence in the locker room, being one of the greatest strikers to, to ever play the game, especially in the Premier League. And I mean, even even when he came to Barca, he had some he had some injury issues, and but his last goal in his career history was against Real Madrid, one of the biggest clubs to mm-hmm. ever play world football. And I I think that just I mean for me that gives me a little bit of you know 
consolidarity for the whole situation because I, we yeah. lost that game. Barcelona lost that game. But, I mean, that was still a big moment, not only for the club, mm-hmm. but for him. The score against Real Madrid in the El Clasico, I think that was amazing. It's his last professional goal. Um, obviously, it's not anywhere close to going out on top, winning that game in a Champions League, anything like that, yeah. which is, I, I mean. I think that goal shows a lot about him, though, because yeah. obviously there was the whole thing of he went to Barcelona to play with Messi, then Messi left, and he was like, oh, maybe I'll, like he's not going to go now. But he came out against their biggest rival, and it felt like an El Clasico because he it felt like he was taking that game personally. Yeah. <laughs> he had just gotten there, but he came yeah. out. He played with everything he got. He scored that goal. He, he was amping everything up. I mean, yeah, I'm going to miss that so much from him. And that's yeah. just the player I mean, that's, he that's was. That's the kind of player that he was. Exactly, exactly. That, I mean, he came out, he played for the badge. It doesn't matter where he was, who he was playing against. He he plays for the badge. He plays to, to show who he is. And he picks everybody else up on the team. And it's, yeah. I mean, it's it's heartbreaking, but there's just, I don't know. There's just nothing yeah. that can be done. And that's really unfortunate. I tell you what, though, he he's the kind of person that whatever he's doing, it, it could be, you know, eating a salad. He's going to be giving it everything he's got. You know, he, he doesn't know how to do anything, you know, with half effort. He puts full effort into anything. So, you know, I know football's not in his future anymore, but whatever this man does and whatever he per- chooses to put his energy to, I know he's going to be successful at it. Um, you know, I, I, I'm excited, but I'm also kind of sad. I'm excited to see what the next chapter is for him, um, but kind of sad that I'm not going to be able to watch him play football anymore. So, and guess I'm just going to have to keep watching the uh, QPR game from 2011. <laughs> this is yeah, just I don't think that'll repeat. get old. That'll never get old. <laughs> but I think that, that pretty much wraps up everything that I had planned for the episode. I want to thank you guys again for coming on. Um, it's always always a good discussion. Always have fun. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you guys again. And as always, thank you guys for listening. We are Deep Dive Sports. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you would like to hear more, feel free to listen to past episodes and look for new ones every Friday. And don't forget to follow us at deep.dive.sport on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for any update. And please let us know what you would like us to take a deep dive into next. As always, we are Deep Dive Sports. Until next time.